Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about The Chemistry of Familiar Objects by Alexandra Vesti. This was just published in 2024 uh, and is one of her newsletter novellas. Yes. So the three previous novellas that we reviewed by her were newsletter novellas. They are no longer available through her her newsletter because now they're for sale. So if you want to listen, if you want to listen to them or, or read them, you have to buy them now. Um, we luckily got them for free because we signed up for her newsletter. But then she came up with this one. So she's I mean, like at this point, just sign up for her newsletter because she is the gift that keeps on giving. And I Early don't just say that to... because she's co-hosting episodes with me. Like, I'm not just saying that. <laughs> so while this is not a part of the Halifax Hellions trilogy, um, we haven't even talked about it. I just assumed we both loved it. You, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, yeah, I, I really like this book. I mean, I'm sorry, Lane. You read this book. Do you do you think that I would not love this book? <laughs> no, but I did think I should double check before I spoke for you on air. You can speak for me. <laughs> when it comes regard. to this book. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so the book jacket. 57 Gresham Street is the most incendiary building in London. Upstairs, unconventional chemist Emmeline Starling uses combustion to solve scientific mysteries. Downstairs, buttoned-up children's book printer Robert Vane tries very hard not to panic when the ceiling catches on fire. And when these two opposing forces are contained within one small building, explosions are just the beginning. After two years of putting up with Robert Vane's scowls, his precious rules, and the infuriating cleft in his chin, Emmeline has seized upon a solution to the problem of sharing 57 Gresham. She's purchased the entire building. Her attempt to remove Vane is thwarted, however, when Em and Robert uncover the theft of one of Em's most dangerous compounds. Soon, Em and Robert are on the run together, chasing a ring of industrial spies who mean to use her discovery as a weapon. From a ship to an island to a foundry in Wiltshire, Em and Robert keep finding themselves trapped together, and close proximity transforms their sparks into a conflagration. For two passionate people who've always been at odds, explosive chemicals are nothing compared to the biggest risk of all, falling disastrously, catastrophically in love. No notes. <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah, no notes. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, well, this was accurate. It was fine. Blah, blah, blah. No, this is a great book jacket. Perfect encapsulation. Doesn't, I mean, impressively for a novella, there's definitely things it doesn't spoil or allude to. Mm -hmm. It gives you what you need to know, but there's still a lot left to discover. That's right. Well... As usual, we generated a random number for a novella, as Lane reminds me every time we do one, that number is generated between 1 and 25. And for this episode, the number is 7. Uh, take us, take it away, Lane. Genius brings Sweetmate along for crime fighting. Yes, it's very sweet. Mine is a little bit different. Smart, hot idiots, hot for each other. Equally accurate. <laughs> yes, there is. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you, but. 
Mm-hmm. It's accurate. They're both very accurate. So Meg, you did a thing. I did a thing. I did a thing. Um, you may remember that uh, once in a while we talk about Gentleman Jackson's Get Fit Workout because when we read historical romances, these guys have to be hot for some reason. Robert Vane is a children's book publisher and writer. You might not think that he's super buff, but what you might not realize is that he has to run the printing press. <laughs> and apparently that requires serious upper body and abdominal strength. You know, I don't know how accurate it is, but I don't give a shit. I love it. It's not my place to question. It's fine with I'm me. I'm not going to research how close to manual labor running a printing press was in this era. No, I'm and just going to accept. I'm going to choose to believe that it requires you to have the physique of a lumberjack. Yeah, exactly. No notes. No notes. <laughs> Tropes line. So this is an annoyances to lovers book. They've been co-working in a duplex. Yeah. And as the book jacket alludes to, he's found her presence extremely distracting, except it, he never really disliked it. Yeah. And it was so cute how even as they were arguing, there were these like little references to how much they actually, like, valued the competition. Mm-hmm. And I actually was, like, mad at her for trying to kick him out. Until yeah, I realized but... that it was never actually going to work. That it was, like, uh-huh. just another part of the game. Uh-huh. Yes. It's not, you can't call it enemies to lovers. You can't call it rivals to lovers. They're not, act- but they are somehow in competition with each other. Like, competition for a space, I guess, or something. I don't know. It's, it's very cute. It's almost like a battle couple dynamic. Absolutely. Where, like, they get off on pushing each other's buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, as Lane alluded to, there's mutual pining. These two have basically, as I mean, it's, it's perfectly deployed throughout the novel or throughout the novella. Yeah. But since they've met, they've both just been irresistibly attracted to the other, but have never admitted it to themselves or to the other person. So this is very much a forced proximity novel from the fact that the relationship origin is sharing this workspace, even if only proximately, to um, all of the adventures they go on together in this book and just how easy it is to end up in each other's beds. Mm-hmm. This book is all about the what happens when two people who have never been forced exactly in each other's spaces suddenly are. And I went a little out of order of the list because there's one I had to leave for Meg. Yes. So this this is a virgin hero book. I squealed out loud for you when that was revealed. <laughs> I knew I knew you would appreciate it for me. Yeah, it was like, oh Meg's Meg's gonna Meg love this. I know Meg <laughs> loves it. That's why I was gonna say, did you really think I didn't love this book? Like, come on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're trash for a virgin hero. I am trash for Robert Bain. Her family is like it's not that big, but it's that crazy. Mm-hmm. Her dad's an absent-minded professor. Robert makes a comment at one point when they are at her family pile that each of her family members has like 12 personalities. Yes. So even when three people are in a room, it feels like 30. Yes. 
there, so her father's an absent-minded professor, but she also has some aspects of the absent-minded professor yes. trope, which are so great. There, there, it's it's really fun. It's really fun. Like they get to this, oh, trope, only one island. <laughs> yeah. But it's you know it, they're they're wet and they have to go inside an abandoned cottage and, and right. get undressed. We're cold and therefore we must share body heat. Yes. And she's like, oh, I need to light the fire. And so she tries to get some phosphorus out of her <laughs> cloak. And he's like, there are matches right here. Like, come yeah. on. You're going with the most extreme <laughs> option when the easy one persists. But I love the callback at the end when for reasons that have to do with plot and spoilers, she decides to pretend she's cold. Mm-hmm. And like the parallel was so good. I know. I know. Um, they do get locked in together. So that we've got some close proximity because again, they're sharing space and then they are in a boat together and then they're in a, gotta share their body heat. But then they actually have some forced proximity because they get locked in a room together. They're searching for a thing and somebody bumps the door shut and the door locks in an unopenable way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funnier and more ridiculous than that, but I don't want to give it away. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's great. Um, one of the things that I think is perfect about this this novella is the the novella structure that we start with, which is that they have known each other for a long time. We already get this an established dynamic with each other. And I think it works so well, especially in a novella, that you skip the meet cute, right? Right. You don't have to do that in a novella, but it, it it's so nice that you don't have to spend time getting to know each other they already know each other they already have preconceived ideas and now they have to spend time with each other and realize how much their ideas either stay the same or change right yeah so i i, I really liked it no i do think alexander vasti has a talent for like you said dispensing with the prologue and all of the exposition without it being like an in media res thing yes and it's also really nice because there's never a time where they sit down and say oh we met two years ago and blah 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 there's not there's not an explanation either there's no exposition heavy dialogue or anything like that no i completely agree i liked their characterization mm -hmm. i thought it was very different than the halifax Hellions. Yeah. You know, obviously, you could draw parallels between Robert and Henry, but I, I I enjoyed that this was so unique and that Vasti is showing she can do a lot of different types of characters and relationship dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think now having read, I've read five of her books, you've read four, that... Oh, so almost there. We're almost caught up. Is is that she manages to pack in so much plot, and yet you still get these characters and the the most important part of these characters and how they're going to end up together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it just works so well because if you were to narrate the plot of this book, it's we didn't mention this in the trope, but there is kind of a road trip romance, right? Because they start out in the their workshop 
that mm-hmm. they share together. And then they go out on the, they chase these people to the Thames. And then they go out on a boat. And then they take the boat back up the estuary. And then they take a carriage back. And then they take another carriage somewhere else. And then they run all around the estate. Like, it's very, um, how do you say it? Uh, active? Yes, it's a very active um, book. I-, I was thinking in French, and I was like, no, that's not. It's very... <laughs> It's very movement-y. I was like, no, that's not the right word. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> it's like, no, that's, that's not the right word. So, yes. I, and I, I loved the absurdity of the setup. Yes. Like, it was so much fun to have them running all over Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. Yes, it is. But in a way that I bought. Yeah. And I really liked who they both were in this situation they'd never seen each other in. Yeah. And I also think it was great how they both revealed that their preconceived notions of the other had already sort of been dismantled mm-hmm. before this moment where they were like on the same team. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was so good. I really liked it. There's also, I guess it's kind of a trope, which is that she's chaos, he's order. Yes. Right? So I said that she's absent-minded professor, but she's also very much just I had this idea. Let's go do it. And he's like, well, yeah, let's think things through. Let's, you know, think about it. So he's very starchy, uh, but he's not starchy in the self-righteous way. No, he's starchy in the got to be a better man than my father was way, which is very tropey. And mm. you can put that on my ish tree. I was like, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can put that on my I'm determined to be the good person that I was never taught to be. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it works. Look, you guys are listening to our podcast. You should know by now that we don't care about a morally great hero. We want the starchy upright guy. <laughs> no, no, no. I want you to be so morally white <laughs> that it's like uncompromising. <laughs> Except once in a while, y'all steal something for your for M for Emmeline. You have to compromise for her. Yeah. Again, welcome to the Lord Ingram Society. <laughs> Where he suddenly commits all kinds of crimes for Charlotte. For Charlotte, but for no one else. And like maybe for Britain. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> true, true. For King, Country, and Charlotte. Yes, exactly. And that is, I think, basically where Robert has ended up. He's trying to live his whole life under the radar to make yeah. up for the person his father was and to yeah. like be upstanding and righteous. And it takes the slightest provocation from her. Before he's admitting it all and indulging in some light espionage. Yeah. Uh, um, look, you guys, we just compared Robert Vane to Lord Ingram Ashburton. So high praise. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know if I can give higher praise. <laughs> Where Ramsey's has not been said yet, but she hasn't had an archaeologist, so. <laughs> it's true. That's true. That's true. Matter of time here, people. We're going to get there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to give too much away about the plot because there's so much plot. There's a novel's worth of plot. Yeah. There's just not a novel's worth of B plot. Yeah. Which is great. Which, yeah, it, like it really is the best parts of a novel just synthesized. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, look, it's it's just really good. I don't know. I mean, how guys. often do we say it's a novella so nothing happens? And that it's, is not a criticism, but this is a novella and so much happens. Yes, this is not a, the, yes, that is not the case here. 
All right. Are there any content warnings, Lane? I don't really think so. I, I think necessary disclaimer from a lot of the authors in the genre who are very willing to be honest about the time in which they're write, writing. You know, she faces a lot of stigma and limitation as a woman in science. He faces a lot of stigma as his father's son. I I can't imagine that rises to the level of like a true warning. Yeah. But it's not all sunshine and butterflies because the era wasn't. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is that there is some gun violence. So just be aware if if that I mean, is triggering to you. Spies, you know. <laughs> spies, man. If you're okay with mostly humorous gun violence in the name of national security. <laughs> the name of national security. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, Lane. Um, This is a novella. Yeah. That means sometimes these books aren't so sexy because there's not enough space for it. Yeah. What'd you think? You know, I am just so impressed. With how quickly Alexander Vasti makes me believe this starchy guy would be not so starchy. Mm-hmm. And I loved that the metaphor was so literal. Like, he gets wet, so his gel and his starch becomes less it's holding. It's fucking amazing. I'm sorry. And the but... next thing you know, he is between her legs. Immediately. I mean, when your starch wears out, what else can you do? <laughs> right, like you must follow through. Yeah. Implied metaphor. <laughs> Obviously. No, I I really enjoyed. There's three really explicit scenes. Uh huh. Which, given that this is 172 pages, is a real commitment. I think all of them served the purpose of character building in the plot in different ways. Yeah. And I like. What happened? <laughs> you, you like what happened? <laughs> what happened? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Super focused on her pleasure. He is a virgin because he's basically afraid of catching feelings, and he thinks he'll be ever have sex with anyone who'll catch feelings, which is great to have. Like. An upstanding starchy guy, be a virgin and not have it be some, like, because I won't leave bastards like my father did. It's just, no. like, for me, this inherently means something. And she's a scientist, and she's like, yeah, I've done it before, and it didn't. I just wanted to know what it was like. Yeah. And it, both answers felt so in character for them without being loaded in any way. I know. And I love how he was like, when I already caught feelings with you, so. Right. So, like, this now seems to be the next logical step. So he's like, you know, either way, it's going to be the same outcome. There was also a moment, and I'm sure you picked up on it, but I don't know if you remember it right this second, where he's, after they had a very lovely night fooling around in her mm -hmm. parents' house, mm -hmm. he gets up the next morning and is like, oh my God, I love waking up next to her. I love, like, this whole sentiment. And he's, you know thinking through like I want to talk to her about how important it is to me that this lasts and he thinks I'll tell her later mm -hmm. and it was so nice to have the like uh not right now I'll tell her later not be an angsty thing that was going to come bite him back in the ass you know right? what I mean well it was very much 
he was like, it, he didn't do it because he was like, oh, I'll, it wasn't something bad that he was going to tell her later. Right. Um, It wasn't something he was hiding from her. He was going to tell her later. And the reason he didn't tell her is because there was another emergency going on. Right. But how often does an emergency pop up and that doesn't, therefore they don't share the thing they really need to talk about. And you're like, oh God, this is going to come back to bite him in the ass. It was just so nice to have it be like, to have the words, oh, I'll tell them later be uttered and it not be like, what's the word I want? Like a Chekhov's gun? Yes. Were you worried? No. I was not. I wasn't. I was. Because I he wasn't knew. hiding anything. I knew Alexandra wasn't going to do that to me. I loved how, like, early in the book, he came forward about, like, the honesty of his past, mm-hmm. even though it had nothing to do with her and would not have mattered. Mm-hmm. It was so enjoyable and so sexy. But, like, talk about people being on the same team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point. I'm sorry, but that's the whole point of the book. So they're on yes. the same team. I'm sorry. It was amazing. Basically, this book is like our fucking catnip. Yeah. And like, even when they're not yet friends, uh-huh. they hear people breaking into her office upstairs. And so she goes to investigate. He won't let her go alone. And then they're in it together to catch mm-hmm. these guys. So like, even before they verbally admit they like each other as human beings, just on a very fundamental level, they're already working together and it takes like one act of working together for them both to go soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved like the little reveal about his children's books and why I... he gives them boring titles. Like every okay. piece of it was so good and so character defining. I was also obsessed with the fact that they meet her family and they're like, Oh, this is Robert, huh? And she's like, what? And he's like, what? She and didn't the, even realize what she had given away. <laughs> obsessed. Obsessed. It was just every page was necessary and executed pitch perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was just really good. This is five stars. No notes. This book was so good. You, I don't know how to explain. If you have, are a regular listener of this podcast or follow of our Instagram and you haven't signed up for Alexander Vasti's newsletter yet, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? And like, again, like full disclosure, I'm I, when we say like object review, it's really interesting because that's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Just like, what is an objective review? Because we all oh, come yeah. in, right? We all come into it with our own preconceived notions and blah, blah, blah. Well, what we like, like it's objective in the sense that like I'm not saying something that someone told me to. That's what I'm going to say. Look, Alexandra did not pay me to say this. Yes, we are doing a whole other podcast thing together, but like she didn't send me an early copy. I this of yes, this it was free, free but everyone can get it for free. Like this is a, 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 as objective as I can get about a book. This is fucking Virgin Hero road trip thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never even spoken to Alexander Basti, so <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But no, seriously, check this out. Check out all of her novellas by the Halifax Collection. I will be. And I still have the free ones on my Kindles. So. <laughs> no, these are fantastic. Can't wait to see. Can she please write a fucking full-length novel? Um, Lane, you know that she has and is on your Kindle right now. Yeah, I know. I'm reading it. Yeah, so. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>